Amen. Well, it is a, a real blessing to be back. But first of all, I, I do have to apologize because the last time I was here was February 2020. And less than a month later, the entire nation went into a lockdown. <laughs> so um, who knows what will happen this March after I leave. But it is such a blessing to be back. It's, it's lovely um, to see you. It's lovely to see your faces. I haven't seen faces of people for two years because in Wales we've still got a very strict mask mandate. So it's lush to see everybody's faces to be able to preach to people and not just see their eyes. So that's such a blessing to be here. Um, and it's, it's so lovely, again, I've uh, known Pastor Moore for um, 16 years. Um, his was the first church I ever preached in before I took up the full-time ministry in uh, Bethany Baptist Church in the town that Trevor's going to pronounce tonight. <laughs> so uh, it is a blessing to be here um, for this week. Um, so what, what we'd like to look at over the next um, few um, evenings and today uh, is walking in spiritual maturity. Uh, the one thing that I heard so many times in my life, and I still hear it now, is the fact that I get referred to as childish sometimes. Or when I was younger, as a teenager, my mum and dad and teachers would say to me, you need to grow up. Um, I have got a little bit of a childish streak uh, pr- which is probably why I get on so well with you, a pastor. Um, <laughs> I was going to say he always seems to bring out the best in me, but that's probably... He always seems to bring out the worst in me. Um, and, and there is nothing wrong with a bit of fun. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes being immature can get us into a bit of trouble. When I was in school, uh, I didn't get saved till I was 21. Um, to say that I was a handful as a young child, would be a great understatement. Um, So I was in trouble in school an awful lot. Um, I was suspended. I was almost expelled, um, which is a bit embarrassing when my father was quite a high, important teacher within the comprehensive that I attended. Um, But I was fed up of hearing the words, you need to grow up. That was on my report card all the time. You know, this is what Dad needs to do. He just needs to grow up. He just needs to mature And as Christians, we never stand still. We are either growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, or we're backsliding. There's never a point where we come to a plateau as a Christian. We're either going forward for the Lord, or we're regressing. There's no middle ground. And like I say, what we want to look at this week is spiritual maturity. And if we were to go to a court of law, being accused of being a Christian... Would there be enough evidence to convict us? If we were in a court of law and the accusation brought against us was, you are accused of being a Christian, would the prosecution be able to bring enough evidence to convict us? So in order to look at spiritual maturity, by way of introduction this morning, we're going to look at Hosea uh, chapter 11, just a few verses in Hosea chapter 11. So before we get to spiritual maturity, we're going to have a look at spiritual immaturity and then see what the the traits are of an immature believer and see what we need to work on then through the week in order to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in Hosea chapter 11 and we'll just read the first few verses. Hosea chapter 11 and it says when Israel was a child then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt as they called them so they went from them 
they sacrificed unto Baalim and burned incense to graven images. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off the yoke of their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. He shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king, because they refuse to return. And the sword shall abide on his cities, and shall consume his branches, and devour them because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful, Lord, for uh, this day to be able to gather around you a word. We're thankful for the opportunity to come and to praise and worship you. And Father, we ask that if we come here today and listen to you a word, that it would be applied to our hearts and to our lives. We recognize the fact that we never reach a state of spiritual perfection on this earth. But Father, we can strive to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day. And if we are willing to recognize the shortfalls that we have in our lives, Lord, then we would be able by your strength to put those right, that we might bring you glory and honor and praise. Father, when a lost world looks at a Christian believer today, oftentimes they just see somebody who's hypocritical, somebody who comes to church on a Sunday and looks their best, but for the rest of the week acts just like the world. Well, Lord, that's not a testimony either of any of us ought to have. So I just pray that you would help us, Lord, that we might be able to put things right in our lives that have maybe gone astray, and that through the way in which we live, others who look at us might see something of Christ in us and be challenged by the way in which they live their lives, and that we might be a stepping stone to the cross of Calvary and not a stumbling block that would cause somebody to refuse to accept Christ. So, Father, we just pray that you would help us through this week and we'd be mindful to give you all the glory, the honor, and praise. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So how can you tell when somebody is immature? Um, how can we tell if somebody is an immature Christian? Exactly the same way that we can tell whether somebody is an immature person. Uh, and it doesn't matter how old you are, there are sometimes we can act in a little bit of an immature um, way. A teenager may do something that you would only expect a toddler to do. Maybe a, a grown person would do something that you would only expect a younger person to do. Uh, and we can spot the same issues in a believer's life. For instance, you can tell if somebody is immature by the fact that they run away. Let me ask you this question. How many of you ever threatened when you were living at home to run away? Did anybody ever threaten to run? Okay, just one person willing to admit it. I threatened to do it all the time. And I was such a naughty child that sometimes my parents would even offer to pack my bags. <laughs> you know, if something doesn't go right for us, if, 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 if you've ever given a child a row, the first thing they want to do is they, want to, they just want to run away. When I used to give my eldest daughter a row, the first thing she would say is, I want to go to Nana's house. I want to go to Nana's house. I want to, I want to, she wants to go to the grandparents because they let them get away with more stuff. I remember my brother running away when he was younger. He lasted about three hours, and my mother found him at one of the, one of the back alleys eating a tin of cold beans. He only lasted two minutes. You know, an immature person, that's, that's, that's the attitude. Well, things are not going right. I've had a row, so therefore I'm running away. And sometimes we can be like that as Christians. 
Something doesn't go our way. We, God doesn't answer the prayer the way in which we think it ought to be answered. And therefore, we, we stamp our feet, we pout, and we say, that's it. I'm running away. And that's basically what Israel was doing. The, the Lord had done so much for the children of Israel. And yet, it says, as they called them, so they went from them. The children of Israel had turned their backs on the Lord. After all that he had done, after the wonders and miracles that he had performed, um, things didn't go right. It was easy just to run away. It was easy to walk away. Hebrew scholars uh, say that uh, the word them here in verse 2, as they called them, so they went from them, is reference to the prophets. What they were saying was they didn't like the word of God. So instead of being challenged by the word of God, instead of being convicted by the word of God, instead of obeying the word of God, they run away. Because that's, that's easy, isn't it? You know, we have that built-in instinct. You either, you either fight or flight. Um, in Wales, we're probably more of a flight. Probably in Northern Ireland, you're more of a fight. I don't know. But we don't always like conflict. We don't like it when God steps on our toes. If God says something to us that we don't like, it's easier to pretend that he didn't say that. It's easier to run away from him than to face up to the fact and say, okay, I need to put this right. God in his word has said, you shouldn't act this way. You shouldn't do that. You should be doing this. Well, I don't like that part of the scripture, so I don't want to listen to it. And then we act like a spoilt child who puts his fingers in his ears and goes, la, 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 because I don't want to listen. I don't like the fact that I've got to put this area of my life right because I kind of like acting this way. Jeremiah 7.25 says, Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have even sent unto you all my servants the prophet daily, rising up early and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. When we run from God, when we refuse to apply his word to our hearts and to our lives, we are just displaying a level of spiritual immaturity. And we've all done it at some point in our lives where God has spoken to our hearts and we don't like it. Can I say this today? If God is stepping on our toes, instead of running away, make sure we put in our feet in the right place. You know, we are to walk worthy of the vocation with which we've been called. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We are to run the race that has been set before us, not run away from God because we don't like what his word is saying to us. Um, you know, there are many people that run from the Lord today. Let's ask this question. How did it work out for Jonah? That's exactly what Jonah did. Jonah didn't like the fact that God's word said, go to Nineveh. I don't want to go to Nineveh. Nineveh are our enemies. I don't want to go to the Assyrians. I don't want to see the Assyrians saved. I don't want to see you extend your hand of mercy upon them because they deserve you a judgment. So Jonah ran away. And God had a way of getting Jonah's attention. God prepared the storm. God prepared the fish. God prepared... So many things to get Jonah to the place where he was meant to be. Wouldn't it just be easier for us to listen to the Lord 
and for the Lord to put us in the place where we're meant to be without having to go through the belly of the whale. Sometimes it's easier for us just to ignore what God says, to run from God, than it is to be obedient to his word because we don't like it. Proverbs 1.6 says, For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Sometimes when people run from God, if they're running away from God, the only other option then is to run towards sin. And that's when sin starts to creep into our lives. Because we're not listening to what God is saying. We're not hiding God's word in our hearts so that we might not sin against him. And therefore, the only other option then is to fill up our lives with something else. When problems come our way, life is tough. This past two years has been tough. Life is not a bed of roses. The Christian life is not one of easy living. The Christian life is tough. Christ said in this world we would have tribulation. But when we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, as we grow in the Lord, we start to develop that spiritual maturity where we apply God's word to our lives and even do the stuff we don't like doing. Because God's word sometimes tells us to do things that we would rather not do. But that's how we measure how much we're growing in the Lord. Another trait of immaturity, ungratefulness. I can't stand people who are ungrateful. Why have we got to, why have we got to teach our kids to say please and thank you? What's all that about? You don't have to teach them to, to lie and to steal and to cheat. They do that naturally. You know, did you, did, you just, did you just steal some biscuits from the... No, chocolate all over their faces. You haven't got to teach a child to lie. I remember, we, did you have pick your own fruit? They know, can you go to like places and pick strawberries and... Yeah, okay. You go, I sometimes speak in America and you start talking about an illustration and you think, oh, this will go really well with the sermon now and they have no clue what you're on about. And you're like... So you've just got to double check. Okay, pick your own fruit. So you, you go out into the field and you, you pick a punnet of strawberries and then you go back to the shop and you, know, you, you weigh it up and, and then that's what you pay for. And they tell you, do not eat the fruit. So we did it with our children one summer and, and Hannah, my eldest daughter, was only about four, maybe a little bit even younger than that. She had this white T-shirt on. So they say, do not eat the fruit. She comes back into the shop. Her T-shirt is red. She's eaten so many strawberries. She is red all over. And the woman says to her, have you eaten any of the fruit? She didn't look at me or or her mother for, for help or advice. She didn't think, oh no, what do I do? The woman said, have you eaten any fruit? No. We don't have to teach kids to lie. It's natural. Why? Because all of sin comes short of the glory of God. That's just natural human reaction. But we've got to teach them to be grateful. What's the magic word? I hate it when they say abracadabra. That, really is, that is really frustrated. What's the magic word? Please, thank you. And sometimes a, you know, a trait of immaturity is ungratefulness. And when you think of all that the Lord has done for us, all that the Lord had done for Israel at this time, and yet 
in their immaturity, they were ungrateful. Instead of sacrificing to God, verse 2 says, they sacrificed unto Balaam. They sacrificed to a false god. They sacrificed to a pagan god. They sacrificed to their idols who had done nothing for them. And when we think of all that God has done for us, and you might say, well, what has God done for me? If you are here today saved by the blood of Christ, if you are here today washed by that blood, if you are here today cleansed by Christ's blood at Calvary, then you have all of eternity to be able to praise God for just that one thing that he's done in your life. If you receive no other blessings at all from this point until you pass through death's door, you will still have enough to praise God for all eternity, just for salvation. But we can be an ungrateful people. And that's just a sign of immaturity sometimes because we can forget what the Lord has done for us. And sometimes you can say to a child, oh, you know, well, they're only little, you know, they don't, they don't know the value of things. And Christmas time. I, I don't know what it's like in Northern Ireland, but back on the mainland, you, Christmas has become so commercialized that people spend a fortune to buy stuff that two days later is completely done away with. And I hate wasting money. I think I should have been Scottish. Perhaps there's a bit of Scottish blood in me somewhere. I hate wasting money. I can't stand it. So when you buy something for somebody and you've put all of that effort, sorry, that your wife has put all of that effort to go out and buy a gift for somebody and then you, you give it and they go, oh, what, what do you mean, oh? I, I mean, thank you would have been nice. I mean, I didn't expect you to bow down and, and worship the ground I walk on just because I bought you a gift, but just a little, oh, thanks. So if, if we kind of feel a bit perturbed sometimes if somebody doesn't show appreciation for a gift that we've given them. How do you think God feels towards us when sometimes in an act of spiritual immaturity we can be ungrateful because of all that he's done for us? God had multiplied the children of Israel. God had brought them out of Egypt. God had brought them through the Red Sea. God had fed them in the wilderness. Their clothes didn't wear out. They never hunger. Their shoes didn't wear on their feet. They were provided for. They had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. They got into the promised land and the minute they got into the promised land, they embraced the culture of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the, the Jebusites and they, had, they, they embraced all of that culture and worshipped the false gods then uh, uh, that the, the pagan nations around them worship it how ungrateful the children of Israel judges says time and time and time again did evil in the sight of the Lord they did that which was right in their own eyes and sometimes we can be ungrateful because of uh, even in spite of what God has done for us we are to be in a state of constant gratefulness and I understand that as Christians we can't always walk around skipping and you know, with a smile on our faces, yay, I'm a Christian and everything is going perfectly and oh, life is just so grand because sometimes life is tough. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes God puts people in our paths that really test everything within us. Sometimes life throws you a curveball so you've got to start doing the housework at 60 years of age. <laughs> Harsh but true. 
at least now you know what the purpose of a feather duster is. Sometimes life is tough. But that doesn't mean that we have the excuse to be ungrateful for what God has done for us. Because we have so much to be thankful for. And when we are grateful, then we express that in an outward way. Because of what God has done for that for us in terms of salvation, that gratitude should be expressed outwardly. You know, sometimes Christians are our own worst enemies because we proclaim uh, God's love, we proclaim salvation, we proclaim this gift of eternal life, but then our faces look like, instead of displaying the fruit of the Spirit, it looks like we've chewed a lemon. Because our faces... We've got the joy of the Lord in our hearts. If people were to just see our lives, would they want what we've got? We ought to have a grateful attitude. A grateful attitude will express itself. When the demonic at Gadara was healed, what did he do? He expressed his gratefulness and told others what God had done. David was grateful to the Lord for all that he had done and was able to, to, to sing about his cup uh, running over and expressed his love then that he had uh, for the Lord in so many ways. A woman who washed the feet of Jesus with her tears and wiped his feet with her hair. Why did she do that? Because she was grateful because of what Christ had done for her. When the Lord spoke to the woman at the well, she was grateful because of what the Lord had said to her. And she went and told everybody who the Messiah was. When we're grateful, it'll come out as an expression of thanks. But when we're ungrateful... We just display a level of immaturity. And we have so much to be thankful for. And do you know what? As defending Six Nations champions, if Wales don't win a single match, it's just a game. <laughs> I think. And I'll still be grateful for all that the Lord has done for me. Because it doesn't matter what happens in this life. God has done so much. We don't deserve it. We, we, we can't earn it. That's what grace is. We've done nothing to, uh, you know, to, to impress God for him to say, yeah, you know, that guy, that, he, he really deserves it all. We, we've done nothing to impress the Lord. But because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his love, because of salvation... We can be grateful every moment of every single day. But another trait of immaturity is ignorance. If you look at verse, the, latter, the latter part of verse 3, it says, But they knew not that I healed them. They knew not. They were ignorant of what God had done. And sometimes children, when they grow up, uh, are probably unaware of what people have done in their lives. You know, you, children kind of don't realise the effort that mum and dad put in to keep the house going, don't realise the effort that, you know, parents put in to, you know, to put food on the table, to make sure the bills are paid. The children just kind of sit back and go, yay, you know, the washing's always done. There's no, there's no fairies that come in and suddenly, you know, all the washing is ironed and, and, and put away and... Somebody else does all of that. But children 
sometimes in a, in a level of immaturity, you don't realise how much effort is put in in terms of keeping things going. In school, yeah, I didn't realise how much effort was put in by some of the teachers who kind of wanted pupils to succeed and you know, to do the best they could. And sometimes we're ignorant of what God has done for us. In Malachi it says, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob. Israel was blind and ungrateful for the love that God had shown them. They couldn't see what was right in front of them. We can't always see what's right in front of us. The blessings that God has bestowed upon us because we are... We're a difficult people. We always want more. We're never really satisfied. You know, if I could just get a little bit more. You know, if I could just get a, maybe a bigger car. If I could just get a, a bigger house. If I could just get a, a promotion in work. If I could just get... And we always kind of want more. We're ignorant sometimes of what God has really blessed us with. You know, if we had here today and we breathe in our next breath then we're blessed by the fact that God has in his grace has given us one more day but sometimes we're ignorant even of the most basic of blessings that God has bestowed upon us Israel was ignorant of what God had done of how God had brought them through out of Egyptian bondage how God had brought them to the land that he'd promised them how God was trying to fulfill the covenants that he had given to to Abraham and to David and to Moses. And we don't always recognize the love and the care and the grace and the mercy that God bestows upon each and every one of us. And perhaps that's just something we need to work on, to remind ourselves every single day that God's mercies are new every morning. Another trait of immaturity is rebellion. It says in verse 5, He shall not return unto the land of Egypt, but the Assyrians shall be his king, because they refused to return. There are times when children rebel against their parents. I don't know if you've ever seen this, maybe in a supermarket where a child wants something and mum, bless her, is doing everything she can for that child not to make a scene and it's not going very well because the child wants this toy and the child is standing in the middle of the aisle and is shouting and is bawling and then children do this. I don't know where they get it from, where they suddenly just go prostrate on the ground and they start banging their fists on the ground and they start banging their feet on the ground. I want, I want, I want, I want. Do you know, sometimes as a pastor, I would love to do that in the middle of a church service. When when maybe a church member's not towing the line and if the pastor's not getting his own way, perhaps we could act like a spoiled child sometimes just go in the middle of the floor and go, "Ah, I want, I want, I want, I want. Children can be rebellious. I know I was. I caused my parents no end of problems before I became a Christian. In Hosea's time, Israel was in conflict with the Lord and was behaving like a rebellious child. If 
Have you ever wondered why leaves change colour in the autumn? Why do leaves go from green to orange or to red? Or Why does that happen? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. So, there is a process that takes place. Um, the light of the sun produces chlorophyll, which produces the green coloured in the leaves. The chlorophyll acts as a mask and actually covers the true colour of the leaves. As sunlight is diminished during autumn, less chlorophyll is produced and the true colour of the leaves comes forth. If a leaf is red, then during the autumn, the true colour of a leaf is finally revealed. And here's the thing. When the light of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is abundant in our lives, the influence of his light changes us. When that light starts to diminish in our lives, our true colour will start to come to the surface. Don't forget that we are still battling with a flesh nature. The less light that gets into our lives through the Lord's word and through his presence, the more the old nature will start to poke through. And that's when rebellion kicks in. And we can become spiritually immature where we say to God, no, I want my way. I don't want your will to be done. Not your will, Lord, but my will be done. I don't want that to happen in my life. I don't want this to happen in my life. And then our true nature is revealed. And finally, the last trait of spiritual immaturity is rejection. It says in verse 6 and 7, And the sword shall abide on his cities and shall consume his branches and devour them because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding from me, though they call them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. If a rebellion is a child saying, I want, I want, I want, rejection is a child saying, I know. Oh, that drives me to distraction. Doing homework with the girls. Now then, when I did my... Before I went into the ministry, I was an aircraft engineer. So I had done my aircraft engineering degree, um, which was all centred on maths and physics. And so I'm not too bad with maths. My daughter would come home then from school and say, Dad, can you help me with my maths homework? Oh, no problem. Time to shine. We'd sit down and do homework, and I say, and she's like, Daddy, I've got a clue. I don't know how to do this. Uh, would you help me? Yeah, no problem. Right. So, this is why you don't know. You don't do it like that. Ah, don't you? Right, okay. Well, how come your answer is wrong and mine is right? Yeah, yeah, but you don't do it like that. How do you do it then? Well, I, I know how to do it. Well, why are you asking me then if you know how to do it? Just do it. And, and we have that conversation with God sometimes when we, we, we almost like a, a know-it-all attitude with the Lord and that just displays a level of immaturity because what happens then is we stop listening to the Lord, we stop listening to his word and suddenly we say, I know. I know. My dad will phone me up and say, oh, um, oh, I don't know how to use this thing. He's got the most expensive digital clock on the planet. It also makes calls but he has no idea how to use it. And he'll, he'll say, oh, um, um, uh, how do you do this? I said, right, Dad, you need to go into that. I know. 
Right, okay, you do it then. And that can be quite frustrating when somebody says, I know, they've asked you for advice, and they say, oh yeah, I know. So why are you asking me for advice if you already know? And we can act that way with God sometimes. Oh, I know, I know. My people are, are, are bent or backside from me. Though they call them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. Why? Because verse 6 says, because of their own counsels. Because of their own counsels. We always think we know best. And as any pastor would say to you, those who think they know everything are annoying to those of us who do. <laughs> Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled. I know it all, and I want to do it this way. Let me ask the women a question. You ever watched your loved one put a flat pack together? Do you have Ikea in Northern Ireland? Yeah. You ever watched your husband put a, an Ikea flat pack together? Refusing to follow the instructions? Left with about a million bits of screws and items left over, and you're just thinking, I hope this thing don't fall apart when I put the telly on it. We want to do it our way. Well, that doesn't make sense. Why are the instructions telling you to put one and two together? I want to put three and one together. That, that makes far more sense. And then we end up putting it up backwards or back to front or upside down. I want to do it. And we are rebellious in the way that we think we know best and we want to do things our way. And when the Lord tells us to do something, we can say, nah, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to reject that, Lord, and I'm going to do it this way. Let me ask you this question. Are you omniscient? Simple question. No. We, we don't know everything. We might be married to somebody who knows everything, but we don't know everything. It's impossible to know everything. But God knows exactly what he wants from our lives. God knows exactly how uh, to, to direct our lives, to get the most out of our lives. God knows how we can uh, resolve issues in our lives. God knows how the church can function like it ought to function if we would simply follow his word. God knows how our lives could be such a blessing, not only to us, but those around us, if we followed his word, if we followed his commands, if we were obedient to what he was telling us to do, but sometimes we're like spoiled children who know it all, who want their own way, who refuse to listen to anybody else. Guys, we, we can't do this on our own because the Christian life is tough. It's hard. Christ never said it was going to be easy. But there's an opportunity for us to always grow in the Lord. You know, God doesn't say these things so that he can beat us up and say, ah, oh, you're a bunch of children, you're, a, you're so childish, you're so spoiled, you're so immature. He's not saying that to beat us down. He's saying that to lift us up to say, look, these are mistakes that Israel made. But yet God still had an eternal purpose, an eternal plan for the children of Israel and would carry that out and will carry that out. 
just like us. If as a rebellious, spoilt, immature child of God that we've missed the mark in certain areas of our lives, God says, right, let's work on that. Let's pick you up. Let's get that bit ironed out. Let's improve that aspect of your life. Let's walk in a spirit of maturity. Why? Because God wants us to grow. Why? Because that brings glory to him. Why? Because that has an opportunity to point others to the cross. The outside world has not got much to say about the church today. The outside world doesn't look fondly on the church today because all it sees sometimes is bickering, infighting, hypocrisy, people who look wonderful on a Sunday but act just like them through the rest of the week. Can I say this to you, that in my years as a believer, I have been hurt far more by those who claim to be a brother or a sister in Christ than I've ever been hurt by somebody in the lost world. That's not meant to happen. Why? Because we're part of a family, whether we like it or not. You might be lucky enough to end up being my neighbour when we get the glory. We're going to spend eternity together, so we may as well get used to spending a bit of time with one another down here on earth. Because we're going to be with one another forever, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. We've got to live in a way that shows the lost world that Christ makes all the difference. That Christ changes our hearts. Changes our lives. And it's tough, but sometimes we've got to admit, Lord, I'm struggling in this area of my life, and I recognize that I've got to grow up. I used to be really frustrated when my mum and dad would say that to me as a teenager. Why don't you just grow up? Stop acting like a child and start acting your age. I was awful happy when we went into Europe and started using European shoe sizes because nobody could say to me, they're not your age and not your shoe size. Ah. Actually, my shoe size is a 38. <laughs> and I'm only 16. <laughs> but it's okay to recognize that we've got faults in our walk because the Lord can help us put it right. Because we have the opportunity to grow. We always have the opportunity to grow. And by growing in our walk with the Lord, the purpose is to bring God glory. And I suppose the question we've got to ask is, do we want to have a self-righteous attitude to say that I'm right and everybody else is wrong? Or do we want to bring God glory? Because that's what we've been created for is to bring glory to him and point others to the cross. And in order to do that, sometimes we've got a little bit of growing up to do. And I know there's areas of my life that needs work. And I think that's why the Lord has put me to live with David Moore for a week. So that he can help me work on my patience. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and for this time together and for this precious church, Lord. And we just are so thankful for the fact that even when we stumble, fall, and struggle, 
We still have the opportunity because of your mercy and grace to, to put things right in our lives. Father, I'm just thankful for the fact that you want us to grow, that as a believer in Christ, we, we're never stagnant. But Father, help us to move forward. Help us to be a witness to those around and about us as they see our lives. Help us to show them that Christ has made a difference in our lives, that we're able to deal with tragedy because of what Christ has done, that we're able to deal with conflict because of what Christ has done, that we're able to, uh, to be the believer that we are, not because of our strength, but because of who Christ is in our lives. And Father, I just pray that you would speak to us and through us so that we might again be a stepping stone to Calvary, that others might see the Lord Jesus Christ as a real presence in our lives because he is the only one that can make a difference when nothing this world has to offer can. So Father, we just ask a blessing upon this time together now, Lord. We ask a blessing in a little while as we come around your table. And Father, I just pray that you prepare our hearts even now for that. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.